Well, good morning to each one this morning. Due to the emerald ash borer, a number of trees have died in the last, according to the website, back probably 20 years, this ash borer from Canada come down into, into Michigan and moved east. And there were a number of trees, not all ash, but a number of trees that died around our house in the past number of years and which were cut down and cut up and removed. Um, and I have gotten, maybe not here at church, but among my family, quite a reputation, not necessarily positive, but I like cutting up trees. And I cut down ones that were dead. Let me remind you that they were just the dead ones that I took out. On Friday, December 2nd, uh, I brought two trees home, not dead ones. And one I planted last Saturday, and the second one I planted uh, yesterday. And one thing to keep in mind, if you decide to go buy trees in, in December, uh, the selection will be and was very low. And my dear wife suggested that we stick with maple trees because that's what that, they do well around our property. So I, I stopped in uh, on Thursday and I looked at what they have and I talked to her. I went back Friday with preparation to, to bring some trees home. And at the nursery, the selection uh, of trees was small. And the ones I went to look at, there was an area there, and they were all well-marked uh, discount prices. I remember I said we're in December here. All except for two were sitting to the side, and no markings and no price. And so I, the lady said, the guy's going to meet me there. Soon he come out, and I said, is, is this one here a maple? He, he said, it is. But he said, when we dug this tree, we damaged it. And I hadn't seen it, but he pointed to at the, at the base of the tree. He said, you see right there, uh, we damaged this tree. He was confident that it, it's going to grow and do well. But this is what he said. I'd like to, to uh, bring to your attention. He said, well, we need someone to give it a chance. Okay. So um, he mentioned this tree was worth X amount, but willing to sell it for so much if, to the person who would give it a try. So I told him I, I would take that tree, and then he said to me, and I only went, I really only wanted one, he said, well, do you want this one as well? Like I said, there were two sitting beside him at the edge of the pile, and he said, this one we damaged as well when we dug, and he showed me a small spot on the bark that was, uh, that was scuffed, and I said, okay, sure. I'll, I'll take that one as well. He said he needs someone to give that one a chance too, and if not, he would just, uh, he'd, otherwise he would throw it out, but he was confident that the tree would do fine. And I tell you that story, and when we compare these trees I'm talking about to our spiritual lives, if we think about it, we too can remember the day when we were injured or damaged, so to speak, by the chains of sin. And also worth very little because of our sinful state. But then things changed. We met Jesus. And he gave us the opportunity to change our lives. And to remove those chains of sin. And he put a new heart within us. And gave us a new life that we now live for him. Uh, if you were not here back on November 6th, we started a study in Colossians. And we're going to continue this morning. And the, the message title this morning is Walking Worthy of the Lord. And we're going to see how we are going to, how we live because the Lord reached down 
and saved you and saved me from the pits of darkness. Because what the Lord Jesus has done for us, we're going to walk worthy of him. And back to these trees a little bit. When you see someone cutting down a tree, what you don't see is what you don't generally notice is tender, loving care going into the process. What you will see is a man grabbing a saw, and he walks out, he looks up the tree a little bit, makes a notch, a back cut, a wedge if necessary, and the tree crashes to the ground. Well, planting a tree is like putting new life back in the ground. So what I did, I carefully dug an oversized hole, the correct depth. When I bought the tree, he said, now you bury them right to this height right here. So believe it or not, I took a tape measure, I measured that, measured my hole. I got this hole at the correct depth. I placed a tree in the ground, carefully backfilled it with a good soil, put a fence up out around it to keep the cattle away from it, and gently tied three ropes to brace it against the wind. And now I'll keep an eye on it to make sure it's all taken care of and give it a good time to put out strong roots. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, you went a, quit, a, a bit overboard, but think about everything that Jesus Christ has done for you prior to and since your conversion experience. And as we're going to look here in Colossians, we'll see how he provides uh, us with what we need to live in victory and to grow spiritually as we, in our spiritual lives, put out roots in our Christian walk. A lot said to say, we're not, I'm not saying that we're like trees, but after a while, if we get to it this morning, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to have a few verses from Psalm 1. We'll see how maybe we are compared to trees just a little bit. But this morning, walking worthy of the Lord. Back on November 6th, we had the introduction to Colossians, and the theme for this study is complete in Christ. We looked at that time at a quote from John Stewart, which he concluded by saying, this is a message of Colossians, a life that is fully integrated into Christ. A life that is fully integrated into Christ. So we are complete in Christ and we're fully integrated. Integrated has the thought of being combined, being united, joined, and unified with Christ. And you can take that picture of two gears being put together. And we're one with Christ. Where Christ goes, we go. Where he moves, we move. Where he does not go, we do not go. We're complete. We're one with Christ. At, in, on November, the question was asked, where will you be? three years from now. And what we're looking at is the choices that you and I are making today and the decisions we are making today will determine where we will be in 1,095 days. And along with that question, where will you be in 36 months? Another thought to ponder as we're on our Christian journey, think about it. When you get to where you are going, are you, want, are you going to want to be where you are at? So the road that you are on that has a destiny, but when you reach that point, is that where you want to be? Back up. The, the choices and the decisions that we are making in 2020 will determine where we'll be in 2020, well, this is 2022, in three years. What for choices and decisions are we making? Back to Colossians. The book's going to teach us why we should give our entire lives to Christ and what our lives will look like when we do. Must we change from what we were prior to meeting Christ? The answer is absolutely, and Christ will change us. We looked at verse 2, and we saw that every believer is a saint 
because of their position in Christ. And because you and I are saints, we are responsible to live holy lives as we go about our days. You're a saint. When you accepted Christ as a Savior, you became a saint. And because you are a saint, because of your position in Christ, oh, now we will live holy lives for the Lord. Another quote that we looked at that um, we had in our Sunday school lesson back in November was, as Christians, we have a higher calling than the pursuit of happiness. Stop there for a moment. We think if we are happy, things are going well. Happiness is great, and it is. But we have a higher calling, the quote continues, and that is a pursuit of holiness. So I have no problem with being happy, but are we also holy? So a little introduction and a recap from what we looked at back then. And now we'll get into verse 2. We said we are... We're, we're saints, verse 2 in Colossians 1, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And we're going to jump in here to the second part of verse 2. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace and peace, not, top, not typical words of greeting that we would use today. But grace was a common uh, grace expression. Grace is favor Pure and undeserved. We talk about that sometime, how the grace that God pours out upon us, it's favor that we don't deserve, but God is there for us. Peace was a common Jewish greeting. Harmony between God and man. And we know when we have the peace of God, and we know, we know when we do not. So we can look at that with grace and peace, and life has two basic spiritual needs, grace and peace. So a person may wish you uh, wealth. They may, may wish you pleasure, fame, or even health, but there's really only one necessary blessing, and that's the blessing of God's grace and peace. This morning, do you have God's blessing of grace and peace? If we possess God's grace and peace, what we have is all, we have is inner strength and confidence that we need to overcome and to live in victory, regardless of the circumstances in life. And we could talk about that for as well. Uh, also, we, we, we face things in life, some good, some bad. We have good days, we have bad days. But because of God's grace and peace that's within, we, are, we have the power within to live above them circumstances and live in victory. Are you, am I, are we living in victory this morning? Do, believe, do we believe that when we have the grace and peace of God that we can live in victory? And we, we think about, we, we have that God's grace and peace within. I go back to that story on, uh, on the trees, we, we are, are gently given the care that we need to live for the Lord. We're well tended to like those trees that we talked about earlier. So yeah, I took time to plant them and to tie them up and to stake and put a fence around and everything to protect them. But think about that and how God takes care of you and I this morning. God gave you what we need to live in victory. Moving on to the second thing here is Thanksgiving, verses 3 and 4. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love which you have to all saints. You know, although Paul wrote this letter to combat false teaching, he gives a time for proper greeting and express words of thanksgiving. As we see, he was thankful for their spiritual progress that they were making. 
So this was a church that was growing. He was careful to give sincere and honest appreciation where it was deserved. He was thankful for their faith. He says they had faith in the Lord. They had faith. It was not in their own works, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He compliments them on their love towards all the saints. They had love, yes. It was not in the world system, but, but it was for the saints. And what we see here, what we are reading, is that there was a clear indication of a closed, unified congregation. Their faith, uh, St. Augustine, I quote, Faith is to believe what you do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what you believe. The quote we hear quite often. I think it's hanging on the wall down in the men's prayer room. But faith is to be persuaded that a matter is true and can be trusted. Obedience is parallel, is parallel with faith all through the New Testament. A quote, the only faith which is a valid faith is a faith that obeys. This morning I asked the Lord to allow the service to flow and tie together well. And Damien gets up and leads a song and I paged through my notes and I showed my wife and I, here's what I'm going to read in my notes. As we sing in the children's song, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And he sang that here this morning. Are we obedient? And by that, by obedient to the Lord and his word, we're showing that we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we obey? Why do you obey? Because we have a desire to please the Lord. It is true. We don't simply get up in the morning and obey because we expect to receive a blessing from the Lord. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, the truth is that God will bless those who follow and obey him. Take time to read through the Old Testament. I read through the Bible this year again. And the Old Testament, and if you read through that and you have, you're going to find chapter after chapter of punishment that's poured out on the disobedient. And sometimes it's hard to read through. And the punishment is harsh. And if you continue reading, you'll find out how God extends his hand of mercy and blessing on those who repent and obey and seek to do his will. Are we obediently following the scriptures? Are we obedient? Those who obey God give evidence in their hearts that they believe in God. Faith in Jesus Christ is not simply a, a mental belief in the existence of Christ. But what is faith? It's a wholehearted commitment to him so that he motivates our entire existence. I go back to the idea how we're meshed together. We're integrated into Christ. We have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where he goes, I go. Where he leads, I follow. Are we one with Christ? Are we unified? And that there has mentioned the wholehearted commitment. Am I talking about us here this morning? Those who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior are different people from what they were before. Really? Why? Because step one in following Jesus, according to Jesus, is to do what? To deny self, followed by step two and three, to take up the cross and follow. So step one is what? Out with self, out with the old man, and then we can come complete in Christ. Have we taken, I'm sure we have, step one as well as step two and step three. Are we following and obediently following the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we denied self? Faith does not start and stop 
by saying we simply have faith. I think you can talk to an unbeliever and they can say, they can say the words, I have faith. But the evidence of faith in the Lord, of our faith in the Lord, is revealed by our level of commitment to Him. So your level, people can, your level of faith, people can see that. And that's revealed by your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. They may see you on Sunday morning and say, they're on fire for the Lord. How about the rest of the week? Are we committed Christians each and every day of our lives? Remember, we're looking at a life that is complete and fully integrated in Christ. And it's such a beautiful picture of the, close, of the unity and close companionship that we have with the Savior. Moving on to, to um, the next point is hope, which we saw there. Uh, in verse, which we see in verse 5. Uh, let's read verse 4 and 5. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which you have to all saints, we looked at that, verse 5, for the hope which is laid out for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since today ye heard of it and knew of the grace of of God in truth. Hope, which is laid up for you in heaven. So think of it this way. Faith looks at, looks at the past. Love looks at the present. And hope looks to the future. So the, the, the hope that grounds the saints' faith and love carries a certain expectation. Our hope is rooted where? In the promises of a faithful God. So the truth is, gospel transforms lives and offers a certainty of heaven. The hope that we have is a firm conviction that God will fulfill his promises. I don't think anyone here this morning is saying, well, you hope you can see heaven someday? What if God doesn't come through? God will come through. God will fulfill his promises. Hope is the assurance that the future holds something better than what we are currently experiencing. Yeah, we're here this morning, and we're worshiping the Lord, but each one of us, I trust, in the back of our minds, or the front of our minds, has that hope of someday meeting in eternity with the Lord. We're here, yes, but we're hoping for something even better, which is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, what are we? We are all men most miserable. Yeah, we're happy, faithfully serving today, but we have that hope within that someday, someday soon, we will be delivered from this and we can look forward to eternity. We we're truly are blessed on this side of eternity as we're serving Christ, and it, serving Christ has its gl- glorious rewards. Plus, we have the hope of something better to come, something we're looking forward to. We have that inner desire or that glorious expectation of dwelling in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope? Verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Again, faithfully served today at the same time. Let's not be too rooted and grounded here because we are someday soon going to be leaving. The words laid up in heaven mean an, uh, an imperishable inheritance is what reserved for God and his faithful people. I t- we get, get that from 1 Peter 1, 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, it is what reserved in heaven for who? For you. Reserved is defined as kept specially for a particular purpose or here or person. 
So there is a crown waiting for you. And when we walk worthy of the Lord today and are complete and fully integrated in Christ today, we can look forward to that hope we have of receiving that crown. The hope we have within uh, is confident that this promise is true. And because of that hope that we are had within, we are living a life that is what? I repeat, complete and fully integrated in Christ. Yes, we have goals, desires, and things to do here, but our hope and our expectation and our future is in heaven. Moving on, we see here in verse 5 through 8, the truth of the gospel which came unto us. What do we see? The gospel is bearing fruit throughout all the world. Verse 6, bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you. And can we see the picture here? The, the picture is the truth of the gospel message is changing lives. So as I mentioned earlier with the trees, remember where we were prior to meeting Christ? We were empty, barren, and searching. But our lives have changed, and now we can, our lives are full, and we are producing fruit and uh, bringing to mind the fruitfulness commanded by God in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve, and to you and I as well, and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And the verse goes on. Are we bringing forth fruit? Are we letting our light shine? Or do we take the gospel in and let it there? Or are we diligent about bringing forth and being fruitful? We see in verse 7, the gospel was shared with the church uh, by a close friend of Paul there and a faithful minister of Christ. He is the one who shared with the, uh, about the love the church had for all the people and about the dangers that were confronting the church here at, at Colossae. So we get to the end of verse 8. Who also declared unto you your love in the spirit. Paul writing about Epaphras there who told Paul about what the church was experiencing. And now we get to verses 9 through 12 and we have a prayer. Paul is praying for the people. Verse 9, for this cause also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And verse 10 is where I got the message title, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us, us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul's prayer. And take note to the four main points we have here. Spiritual wisdom, walking worthily, enduring patiently, and a grateful spirit. Paul said he's not going to stop praying for these people that they would be filled with spiritual wisdom. And you look at that, and it appears that Paul has is a, a fervent prayer. He says he is constantly praying for them with desire. And there we see the burden that he had. Paul understood that they were being troubled by false teachers. So in light of their current condition, he prayed that he might be filled with what? With the knowledge of God's will. How many times in the past year have you prayed 
that someone might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. However, I think it's, I believe that each one here this morning has that desire. Lord, give me more wisdom that you might be filled with the wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the best way, again, they were facing the uh, false teaching, and the best way to be protected, for you and I to be protected from the errors that we face today is how? You want to be protected from different things? Uh, you wear ear protection when using loud things and so on and so forth. But how are we protected from the errors that we face today? And the answer is that we need to be saturated with truth. You need to know what is right. If, uh, if you want to make a meal, what do you need? I know very little about this process, but I think you need food. If you want to make a, sew a dress, what do you need? You need fabric. If you want to build a house, what do you need? You need some building materials. And if you want to be insulated from false theology, you need to know truth. And I don't think there's anyone here this morning that will not be faced with false theology. And what, how can we combat that? We need to know truth. You need to be filled with spiritual wisdom. The will of God... And the wisdom of God are tightly linked with the saturation in the Word of God. So you want God's will and you want God's wisdom. That's a, that's a great desire, but you also need to have that desire for God's Word because they're so tightly linked together. You want to know God speaking, you have it laying on your laps. You want to know about God, how God told us to live, it's in His Word. The will of God... And the wisdom of God are tightly linked with the saturation in the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, Sunday morning for two hours, we get into the Word of God, but I trust you do each and every day of your life. You want spiritual truth? You want spiritual wisdom? You want to be protected from the errors of today? You hear things time and time again. People come around with subtle ways to say stuff, but it's deceptive. How do you know right from wrong? It's being saturated, immersed, filled with the Word of God. And I mentioned we're going to talk, look at Psalm a little bit. Here we have it, Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Okay, he is not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He's not standing in the way of the sinners. He's not seat, seat, uh, sitting in the seat of the scornful. So that's where we see this man is not. If you go back, it said this man is a blessed man. What is he doing? Verse 2. His delight, his interests, his goals are where? They're in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, which is the word of God. He says, and in his law does he meditate day and night. You talk about a man that's saturated in God's word. He's called a blessed man. He's not going to follow the ways that lead him astray. Instead, he's going to be, fill himself with truth. And that will protect each one of us, you and I, from the air that we have. That man there is immersed in the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we need to study. We need to learn if we want to gain understanding. And where can we gain spiritual understanding? Wisdom is it's gained by studying God's word. Spiritual understanding is how his children discern his will. And how can we discern his will? By reading his word and taking time in God's word. Both wisdom and understanding are gifts of the Spirit. 
that are spiritual. They don't come from a sensual mind, but from, but, uh, from those who have the mind of Christ. Where can we get that? In the Word of God. Are we taking time to learn what God has for us? Are we complete and integrated in Christ? Spiritual knowledge provides insight into God's will. And many times, you probably ask the question, what is God's will for me for this? You come to a crossroad in life, what is God's will? That's a time that we take time to look at God's word. For this cause also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for Myerstown and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What a precious prayer. Paul knew what they were facing because he was told, I don't know exactly what you're all facing, but life brings challenges. And our prayer is that you be filled with the knowledge of God. That we can go through life being filled with his uh, will and making correct choices and decision. With the church at Colossae being bombarded by false teaching. And they were in, stood in desperate need of clear direction. Again, Paul's prayer is precious. Lord, fill these people with your wisdom. James 1.5 If any of you lack wisdom, familiar verse, where do we go? Let him ask of God. What's the result? That giveth, liberal, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. When you spend time on your knees in your prayer time, say, Lord, just give me wisdom for whatever you're facing in the future. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above, this is what we're seeking for. Listen, first, is first pure, then it's peaceable, then it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the first, the first one we talked about there kind of spells it out all. The wisdom that's from above is first pure. And then, of course, the rest will fall in place. Spiritual wisdom comes from God. I repeat, immerse yourself in his word and he will reveal, reveal his will for your life. Some things happen by default, but this won't. We need to study and put ourselves in the word of God. Then we'll find out his will for our lives so that we can follow his leading. And we could ask the question, was spiritual wisdom an important asset in Paul's mind? What well, it says he did not cease to pray for these Christians here at Colossae. Just continually praying for them, that they would have practical wisdom and clear direction. Why? So they could apply truth as it's revealed in God's word. Filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let's add this to our prayer list as we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, that he or she might be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. <clears throat> spiritual wisdom is a great asset as we live our life that is complete and, in, and fully integrated in Christ. You read through a section of verses and things jump out at you. And I will admit that verse 10 jumped out pretty high when I read through this. And this is what Paul is telling, uh, praying for the people. The, the second main point, he said, brothers and sisters, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. We're not going to stop there, but we could pause there for a while and just ponder that. 
am I, are you, are we walking worthy of the Lord? We all know what Christ has done for us, what he did, what he's doing today, what he will do tomorrow. We know what he's doing for us. I talked earlier about that, the trees that were, he said, if no one buys this tree and gives it a chance, I'm going to throw it away. That's, maybe that's where I was. Then Christ reached down and, and, and saved us. And put your experience in there. Where, where were you at? Where are you at? And I think if we would open it up, everyone could say, you know, Christ brought me from that to this. And I asked that to say, are we walking worthy of what the Lord has done for you and what the Lord has done for me? The purpose of the, of the increased knowledge, which we looked at in verse 9, uh, was not so that they could be wise in the ways of the world. You have some wise businessmen know how to make a buck. But that's not what Paul was praying for here. But rather they could help them walk worthy of the Lord. Walking worthily <laughs> refers to daily conduct, to how Christians live day by day. The word worthy means balancing the scales. <coughs> the believer who walks in a manner worthy of his calling, which what he has been called to is one who daily living corresponds to the blessed position as a child of God and a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Christ died for you and for I. We are adopted into him, his family. We're heirs. We'll receive what Christ has got, is receiving. You know, imagine our position in Christ. Are we walking worthy of what he has done for us? You know, we thank the Lord for what he has done for us. As I mentioned before, what he is doing and what he will do. But are we truly thankful? Question, does our walk of life exhibit a life that is truly thankful for the Lord? Another question, is there anything in our lives that the Lord would not approve? Is there anything that we are doing that the Lord would not approve that would make us unworthy, if I could say it that way, for him to consider us as his child? Just a few questions to, to ponder here. Uh, what are you doing with your spare time? With the time that you consider as my unwind time? Or... Uh, what do you find yourself doing these long, dark evenings in the winter months? And think about that in your mind, and then ask yourself the question, is my walk of life worthy of the Lord? What am I doing? And I'm not indicating we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, but are we walking worthy of the Lord? Is there anything that we're doing, maybe habitually? This is just what I do at, at 8 o'clock at evening. If the Lord were sitting in a chair beside you, would he say, that's a worthy walk, brother or sister? That's a challenge in my life as well. There's a lot of distractions, but are we walking worthy? Oh, you said that before, Leanne. Correct, I did. My apologies. But are we living a life that pleases the Lord? Where are we at? We're on life. We're on earth. We're on the earth for a very short period of our lifespan. Just a very short period. We often talk about it at the dashes between the two dates on the gravestone. Just the, the small little dash, whatever it is, 70 years max or average. What are we doing in that little time? 
That's why I didn't say, where will you be a million years from now? I asked, where will you be three years from now? Are we walking worthy of the Lord? The verse says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, fully pleasing. I believe we're called to a careful walk, making sure that everything we're doing is pleasing the Lord. Our, our good deeds are to be in every area of life. Walking worthy is bearing fruit, to be fruitful, to be active, to be intentional in, in doing good deeds. If today were your last day, would the Lord say you walk worthy? Were you pleasing to Him? And did you produce fruit? Take it to, uh, take it to your work for, for a second. When, when we're at work, uh, I, I do believe the, the Christian, this is their goal, to put in an honest day's work. So we are what? So we're worthy of our wages. And so we don't want to, can I use the word, steal from our employer and take an extended lunch break, but rather we put in an honest day's work so we're worthy of our pay. And then compare that to the question, are we walking worthy of the Lord in every good work so we will be worthy to spend eternity with the Lord? Honesty, integrity. The better a person knows God and His Word, the better they will know how to be fully pleasing to Him. And this knowledge has been said, a knowledge that becomes second nature, producing confidence by discerning God's will rather than fear. Second nature is a characteristic or habit in someone that appears <coughs> excuse me, to be natural because that person has behaved himself in a particular way so often. So is our walk with the Lord just so second nature? Yes, we are who we are, but we've been walking faithfully so long, it just becomes habitual. This is just what we do. And the better we know God, the easier it will be to live in holy confidence because we will be naturally following His will. So God's plan, God's will, His word, they're not hard for us his will is not grievous but what we're following his will because it's just our it's our lifestyle second nature and we just follow him out of of habit and this knowledge that we're talking about produces fruit the fruit of godly character godly conduct godly conversation and a giving spirit so we ask the question is the life-changing gospel changing your life do you have a longing for more knowledge of christ and of his word do you have that desire in verse 9? Lord, give me more spiritual understanding. People who, who take God's word um, seriously don't just read it to see what it says. That you might walk worthy, Lord, unto all pleasing. No, that's what it says. No. But what, what, what's the difference? They, they make it a map of their life so that we learn what we should be doing and then out of habit... Follow his direct, the direction of his word day after day after day. At our occupations, there's many things you can do without, hard, without thinking very much. Is that how it is in our spiritual walk? I know what the Lord wants me to do, so I'm not going to do A or B. I'll follow his leading. Are we walking worthy? In Scripture, we're told not to walk according to the flesh, 2 Peter 2.10. We will not walk in craftiness. 
2 Corinthians 4.2. We are not going to walk according to the course of this world, Ephesians 2.2. So how are we going to walk? By faith, 2 Corinthians 5.7. In newness of life, Romans 6.4. In love, Ephesians 5.2. Circumspectly or diligently, Ephesians 5.15. In the light, 1 John 1.7. In truth, 3 John 4. And so on. I'd like to close with... uh, Just give me a couple more minutes here. When a believer... It pleases the Lord constantly. That is their Christian walk. When a believer, when they are bearing fruit consistently, that's their Christian work. When they are in progress, when they progress in knowledge continually, that is their Christian wisdom. When they persevere in stress cheerfully, that is their Christian welfare. When they praise God correctly, That is their Christian worship. So think about our walk with the Lord. Are we in tune with the Lord constantly, consistently, continually, cheerfully, and correctly? Is the Lord pleased with our walk, with our work, with our wisdom, with our welfare, and with our worship? And the third verse of Psalm 1 Or we like the person, and he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that does what? This is this you that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I ask the question that verse is talking about a person who is walking worthy of the Lord. Is that where you and I are at this morning? Verse 10 again, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I trust that's where we are at this morning. As you go through the, out through the doors this morning, may you just keep in mind that we are complete and fully integrated in Christ. We are going right with him. And make that your decision. I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord unto all a pleasing. Let's pause for prayer. Lord, we can come before you here today. Just say thank you, God, for your word. And thank you way it's spelled out so clear to us. And thank you how this book of Colossians has shown us how we are, or how should I say, how you want us to live. And I pray, Lord, that we could be living in victory. May each soul here this morning be fully integrated into you. May each soul here this morning be walking worthy of you, God, and just be with us as we do that. Give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so we can know your will. And thank you, Lord, for the power you have given us to live above the chains of sin. Thank you for all you've done. We love you, Jesus. In the name we pray, amen. Can we have a song, please?